I live my life for this moment. We as athletes breathe every breath of our careers for nights like WrestleMania. This is the culmination of everything I've ever worked for. WrestleMania is called the granddaddy of them all, and you stand on the grandest stage of them all. I've been waiting for this my whole life. There's really that X factor and intangible I can't explain. You just have to feel it. WrestleMania is the chance to live forever. WrestleMania, it's fever, man. WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. It's the uh, World Series of wrestling. Oh, yeah. It's like the Olympic Games, the gold Yeah, we're calling back. We, uh, we just started the show. Myself? What a, you know, look at that. They cost on candy camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome, everybody. Happy uh, post-Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Uh, Pre-Hanukkah. Uh, Pre-Christmas. And, and yeah. Uh, we are back for our episode 44. It's been a while, but we've got WrestleMania 19 in the background. Charles is playing, I'm assuming, WWE 2K19? 18. 18. 2K18. 18. All right. Definitely not 20. Definitely not 20. Definitely not 20. And, they're, they're trying. They're trying. And, uh, of course, uh, what are you doing, Andrew? What are you doing back there? I have no idea. Yeah. Just surfing the web. Just surfing the web. Data and everything. Okay. Alrighty. So, um, games on for tonight. So we've got NBA games. There's a ton of games for the NBA tonight. There's 10 games. There's only four NHL games. And uh, college basketball, of course, as always, there's a ton of games for, for that. And uh, past week in the... NFL and college football, uh, especially now that uh, conference championships are coming up and we'll have the bowl game determinations. And yeah, um, as far as that's concerned, guys, what's what was your favorite dish or meal during Thanksgiving, just to start out? If you had to have, I mean, out of all the things that you had this, this, this year at the very least, what was... What was the thing that you're like, yes? Man, this kind of staggers away early to what me and Andrew were talking about. We're waiting for you. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Well, a little bit. You know, it's a, it was a question I would have posted to everybody, but I'm going to pose it now because it's kind of something I always anticipate for the holiday season. So we went to my sister's house with the in-laws and everything, and it's not the thing that they had it was just something that they were lacking and it's usually my favorite thing to have on any kind of holiday season you guys somewhere in the miscommunication the emails might have been deleted there might have been hidden messages with my top advisors or my family's top advisors but there was a lacking in mashed potatoes as what there was no mashed potatoes i know uh, r.i.p headphone users I, I screamed into the mic right there but what there was empanadas there was Spanish rice. There was, okay. you know, some stuffed, uh, you know, casseroles or whatever that I wouldn't touch because there was kale in it and broccoli and broccoli is the devil's lettuce. Um, <laughs> you know, but I look forward to every holiday season to have mashed potatoes. So, guys, wow. that's usually my favorite. And it wasn't even there. It was deprived of me. It was deprived of me, like Santa trying to get cookies, but there was no milk. And someone gave me almond milk. Guys, almond milk ain't got no nipples. Are you getting milk out of it? I don't know. But let me ask you guys. Tell me what your favorite dish that I look forward to. And is it 
un, not un-American, because I know Thanksgiving is predominantly, if not a American concept, but is it uncivilized <laughs> to have mashed potatoes in a holiday season? Because I say yes. I say uh, yes. I, 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 okay, uh, first off, Mikey, I'm sorry I screamed right into the mic, but Charles said something that's blasphemous for Thanksgiving and not having mashed potatoes. So thus the screaming. And I, and I, of course, I... I I uh, I said R.I.P. headphone users after that, uh, but yeah, that is a gosh, wow. Because I really do look forward to the the mashed potatoes because especially with the cheese on top oh of God. it, with the Could cheese on top of it, with the melted cheese on top of it. I mean, dear lord, what is that? What is? I mean, honestly, I always get the turkey leg when I uh, I kind I look forward to it, but I'm not crazy about it as I used to be when I was a kid. Um, uh, and, and, and sorry, okay, well, uh, good evening, everybody, in Mikey's apartment. <laughs> For eyes, I screamed, what? But, uh, I'm sure they all agree that, that no mashed potatoes at the Thanksgiving table is... is blasphemous. It is, it is, it is grounds for, for excommunication. Um, and, uh, Mikey, turn down your, turn down your, uh, speaker for a second. (laughs) I just realized I too did not have mashed potatoes at my Oh dear God. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. We're going to have to get Congress on this one because the, the impeachment ceremony is definitely not the worst thing happening in America right now. That is wow. I mean, my my Thanksgiving dinner table, what my, my sister prepared was, uh, 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 we had the mashed potatoes, of course, the ham, the turkey, with made, made with good old propane and propane accessories. Uh, so mm-hmm. Hank Hill would, would, would definitely approve. Um, uh, we had uh, the, well, I don't have it, but it, it was there. It was the, the, the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top. Uh, the, Those are the best. Uh, we had. Uh, we had that. We had okay. that. All right, we had our, our biscuits, we had all, all that type of stuff, but it it's it's definitely um, blasphemous to not have mashed potatoes. I, I am so sorry you guys had a awful Thanksgiving, and and uh, and you guess I guess you'll just have to come to my house next year. In order it's for a crime it. against humanity, but I'm glad to see that our neighbors. <laughs> you, you might have to go to you, you might have to go to KFC. You might have to go to KFC and get and you know they're selling chicken skins now without the chicken, so. You know? I, I will I will make I will make mashed potatoes great again, gentlemen. <laughs> oh boy. Alright, and okay, what's the most overrated Thanksgiving dish? Uh hmm. okay, this is gonna be a bit controversial, but if you let me explain, I will have a good explanation. Floor is your counselor, tell us. Turkey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Really? Gotcha. Here's why. Okay, go. I mean, this is it's not something I haven't heard already because I've heard people that aren't aren't for it, but yeah, go ahead. To paraphrase Chef Jose Andres, turkey is never good. It is always dry in some places. Anyone who says they have a fully juicy turkey is lying. That mm-hmm. is correct. Okay. Again, if, I, if I mean, someone it, could invent, if someone could invent a way for light meat to be juicy and satisfying as dark meat, that's why I always get the leg. Beautiful. I always get the leg. You know, it's it's. Uh, uh, I mean, unfortunately, in my family, they they cut up the leg into little uh, little pieces. Mm. Uh, so the, 
there's not really any sort of concentration of dark meat. And honestly, that's why I, I always get the, the the leg because of that. I always think I always thought that it was the tastiest part of the of the turkey itself. It is, and even even uh, Andrew Ray binging with Babish, uh, <laughs> even though he's on a health food or trying to become healthier with his eating habits, even he admits dark meat is the best. All right. Um, as far as I mean, gosh. I think you you might be on to right with this because I really really don't enjoy much of the the rest of the turkey except for that, and then after that again, I, the meat I, I get I, I go after the ham. I, and again, I love turkey. If turkey is good, it's fantastic. But only the dark meat is good, and there's not enough dark meat to go around. And everyone likes the dark meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I think it's overrated. How about you, Charles? Oh, but, but before we go, Charles, I have on the screen here the WWE superstars. I'm gonna put the computers to to have at it. So just give us just give us three computer characters uh, to have in the background of the screen since you are the the wrestling guru here. Uh, look at this star-studded well, lineup since... from way back in 2004, I guess. Well, all right, so this is 2004. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pick three, and we'll do this prefaced as three current on the roster on on the shows for wwe because there are some guys who are still wrestling but they're in different programs such as AEW and new japan so we're gonna have hmm, brock lesnar brock lesnar okay right we're gonna have randy orton where is that where is he on this right next to batista above lance Storm, right next to rick flair on his left Alrighty. All right, you don't know. Okay, so two steps above slot A. You see where slot A is? There you go. That's Randy Orton. And then the third one, you see there's some old timers. So, you know, we kind of make it, hey, you know what? But here's the thing. Technically, The Undertaker is the American badass Undertaker, and the current Undertaker is not that. Yeah, Mikey, I know, but here's the thing. I'm keeping it to my rule of currently wrestling. And <laughs> Devil will him. We'll go from there. So we're gonna pick the man who is the current United States champion after a post Survivor Series beatdown by Brock Lesnar. Great match, Rey Mysterio. Okay, Everybody there he is. Rey Mysterio. All right. Oh yeah. Exactly. Okay. There we go. So, uh, all right. So now we have that in the background. I'm sure Charles is giddy uh, with with that. So, uh, all right. Uh, and uh, sorry, I interrupted you with your most um, your more overrated Thanksgiving meal. Dish, um, you know, what's well, also overrated is Brock Lesnar's damn shoulders. The man is still a monster, but in the video game, they make him look like a villain. The Hulk fights halfway through, Jesus Christ, he's basically the incredible Hulk about the green. All right, so I would agree that the turkey can be, because at the end of the day, it's either you get soggy turkey that's good or you get dry turkey. I propose, gentlemen, a different alternative for overrated, um thanksgiving meal and part of it is just because i don't necessarily like it but the other part of it is because people are weird green bean casserole anybody i, I don't have it. it we we didn't no, have I it like green bean casserole 
okay, well, you know, controversy is, you know, this forum is for controversy because controversy is for education. I want something that's going to make me hate myself mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm getting something healthy <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Because really, let's be honest, this is what Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving on a mantra is about the slaughter of, you know, Native Americans taking over land. And we, we <laughs> Green Bay Castle is a national treasure, so, according to Mikey. So in re- <laughs> yeah, so, so in reality, what happens is the way I view it instead of that very dark, cynical thing, I like to say that Green, you know, uh, Thanksgiving is the one time a year that I can actually get good quality cooking as a celebration outside of what I normally eat because guys, I don't cook at home. You know, I don't even know what I eat. I basically, I had Reese's peanut butter puff cereal for breakfast. I had a salsa <laughs> burger from Wendy's. You know, there's not a conventional meal. So the fact that I have people who are slaving away to make me a home cooked meal makes me feel like a day of royalty. I don't contribute at all. I bring maybe a box of cookies and then alcohol and that's about it. So, you know, if I'm a king sitting on my little throne of lies and entitlement, I want all the foods that I get great, you know, uh, enjoyment out of. And Green Bean Casserole, all it kind of does is kind of help my colon flow and make my food <laughs> smell weird like asparagus. It's not my thing. Also, here's another unpopular opinion. Gravy can really screw up a lot of stuff. That's just me saying. It, it, a little overrated because it's the wrong kind of gravy, man. You know. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, all right, and uh, desserts, Thanksgiving desserts. What is? Uh, I have one, but it's actually a specific one because I, I like apple pie. That's my favorite of the pies that are usually with with in Thanksgiving, which is just the, the big three: it's apple, pecan, and pumpkin. I go for the apple, uh, but my, my sister makes for, and it's a I guess a Hispanic thing or something we've infused into our Thanksgiving. Uh, is what? Guava. No, 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 not flan. No, tres leches. Tres leches. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. My, my sister makes a With homemade tres leches. Uh, no, no coffee whatsoever. Just, just inject that diabetes right into my veins. Nope. I, I, I go straight for that tres leches. I, I would just drink the milk, honestly, but uh, I, 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 I just eat it into this mush that just enters my mouth and. And it, it's all I, I am. I am absolutely gross with tres leches, but it, you know it, it's a fetish. So who cares? Uh, anyways, uh, what about you guys? <laughs> is this what is overrated or no? No. What's the best one that you like? And hey, if you want to say which one you hate, go ahead as well. I'd say there's a tie for me between uh, sweet potato casserole mm-hmm. and pumpkin pie okay i i just i hate sweet potato stuff i I really love me some apple pie i love me some apple pie Mm -hmm. but there's something to be said about like the only pie for thanksgiving really it's pumpkin just for the spirit of the season that type of thing it's the one time of year where pumpkin pie is an acceptable dish Mm -hmm. all the time don't get me wrong but it's not like, you know, I'm going to have some pumpkin pie for July 4th. Or Memorial Day, we're having some pumpkin pie. It's always apple pie or cherry pie or peach pie. Mm-hmm. This is the one time of year where pumpkin pie is like, ah, yes, we will find some pumpkin pie at this meal. Okay. Yes, I understand completely. All right. Uh, and, and you, Charles, of all the pies. 
my mother is allergic to pumpkins, so mm. pumpkin pie was never kind of... It's always an option, but out of due respect, you know, I don't salivate in front of her. It's not fair. It's like somebody who's allergic to chocolate and just eat, like, the whole cake in front of them. I try to, I try to hide it. But it's, a, like, you have to get the right kind of pumpkin pie. I mean, maybe this isn't you guys, but I'm a big fan of cheesecake, and cheesecake, I think, mm, is acceptable in any okay. kind of holiday desserts. Yeah. Um, you know, then kind of that sweetness, whether it has that little strawberry. Glaze, cheesecake is very versatile because they have so different, so many different Super kinds. Versatile. And I'm about that. I can live with that, and I think overrated. And it's just because I can honestly say I've only had it like once or twice, and it's just pecan pie, not my thing. You know, it, it, everybody has their stuff. I don't hate it per se. It's just if guns, out of all the pies I had. And, you know, this is a great debate. Is cheesecake a pie or cake? I don't know. But, you know, pecan's just on the back end of the game here for me. Alrighty. Okay. Um, so I guess that's our, our Thanksgiving opening since we missed last week. And uh, But, you know, we've had our Thanksgiving and we had our, our, our Black Fridays, our Cyber Mondays, our Small Business Saturdays. Uh, and uh, we'll, I guess we'll probably be saving some of that stuff for our, our non-sponsors. Uh, of the week all right guys uh, I, I wanted to start with Andrew uh, because you went to a very significant game uh, about now what two weeks ago now almost uh, between uh, uh, last, Sunday, last Saturday yeah yeah between our, uh, our, our one of our alma maters and and uh, and the, the the University of Coral Gables so so yeah. I wanted you to talk about it last week, but we couldn't. So, but it's still fresh in my mind, and it's it's nice to, to poke fun at the Hurricanes, as I am a Seminoles fan, and we are hitting a very very dark hole. We are somewhere underneath the Earth's core where we belong, uh, and we are shouldn't you come at trail here, Francisco. Uh, God, well, no, don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not Oklahoma fans. We don't we don't make fun of that. All right. Um. Uh. So yes. Uh. But go ahead, Andrew, because it was such a historic moment, and you were there for it. And of course, you were historic because it was the last time that Marlins Park will have natural grass uh, at, at the stadium. So, so go ahead. Uh, you you have the floor. Well, I sent over some pictures to the Facebook chat. If you want to put those, on I'll, in the I'll, I'll try my best, and hopefully the computer doesn't explode on me. But go, but you can go <laughs> ahead. Um, so. I was covering the game for Reddit CFB. Uh, it was between Florida International University Panthers and the University of Miami Hurricanes. It's, for those who don't know, Marlins Park, which is located in Little Havana, uh, down in Miami, is the former site of the Orange Bowl. Not the game, the actual stadium. Mm -hmm. and, well, and the game used to be there, too. Correct. Well, right, right, right. But the, the was it hadn't been there for I think ten years. Um, yep. It had yep. been up at then Pro Player Stadium. Right. Uh, by the t by the time that the uh, stadium closed. So, um, and coincidentally enough, Butch Davis, who is the current head coach of FIU, was the head coach of Miami at the. T in, I think, from 95 to 2000, back when they played at the Orange Bowl. 
So there were a lot of very interesting storylines. Davis was playing his former team. Both teams were playing in in a historic site, really. Um, and it's, you know, well, after this game, really, I think there's a potential rivalry between these two. I actually came up with the name Crusade for Miami-Dade for this. Nice. Um, I like it. Because the thing is, even though it's called the University of Miami, it is not actually in Miami. Right. It is in Coral Gables. And actually, a lot of people around the FIU program were calling it, as, as Francisco alluded to, the University of Coral Gables all week. And it is technically true. Uh, my uh, FIU, which back in the 80s, there was a movement to potentially call them Miami State University, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but it obviously never happened. But So this is a battle not for Miami, but for Miami-Dade. Uh, Hurricanes of the King of Dade. Not right now, they're not. Right now, they're uh, not. Uh, the, the King of Dead, most likely, not the King right. of Dade, that's for sure. So let me give a little bit of uh, backstory on this rivalry. The teams first played in 2006 back at the Orange Bowl. Uh, and that game is... Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I'm not sh- I have to look and see it. But it was a lot of fun. The press box was very nice. The stadium was very nice. It was it's kind of surreal being on the field. It's it's very pretty from the ground and believe it or not, I've been to Marlins Park probably yeah, a dozen times probably. Half a dozen times, maybe more. Um, in all of those visits, I've never once been to a game where the roof was open. Ah. Was open and that back sliding glass wall is open. Mm-hmm. I got to go into the Cleveland dirt, even though no one was there. It was closed for the most part, but very cool. Credential really allows you to go just about anywhere, which is really cool. Nice. Um, I don't know. What would you like me to talk about? I mean, I could talk about. I mean, I, I want. Oh, I on this. I see on the screen right now with the the helmet. FIU had a special edition helmet for the game, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, the helmet stripe. I don't know what they did with it, but it, depending on the angle and the light, it would change from gold to pink. Nice. Oh wow! And then kind of like an iridescent type of effect. Basically, yeah, um, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Miami technically did something special with their helmets. They did. They went, they went from a white face mask to a gray face mask, uh, mm. which is what they used to wear back in the early 1980s uh, when they were playing at the Orange Bowl. So, okay, they got a new helmet <laughs> like that is, that is the <laughs> that is funny. thing you can do 
That is the laziest possible thing you can do to change your helmet. Oh, uh, FIU went all out with it. It was really awesome. Uh, well, first, I guess I would like you to talk about the, the atmosphere because uh, from the highlights that I've seen, and, and uh, it was a pro Hurricanes crowd, right? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, obviously, technically, there were FIU people there. Um, but they were in, they were in, they were few and far between. It might as well have been a Miami home game at that point. Um, when the players came out, it was extremely loud. By the way, I think the attendance at this one game probably greatly outclassed any game, Marlins game this season. I can almost guarantee it. Okay. Um, um, yeah, yeah, probably all but one. They, oh, no, one game. There was one game where the Marlins had close to 30K. One game in the past season. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. And, like, I, and then I just, when I, FIU ran out of their Panther tunnel, um, it, the boos were so loud. It was unbelievable. How many people were there? Like a, a, a tenants wise. I've never been. I've never been good at. You would say twenty k, twenty k probably. I'd say probably at least twenty thousand. Okay, which probably yeah, it would have been a sold out FIU stadium if that was the case. Um, right, all right. And so when. Uh, so, FIU gets let's say uh, maybe after the first ten. Well, actually no. When they went up thirteen to nothing. How did the, the the atmosphere of the game change? It got deadly quiet. Um, you know the saying, the silence was deafening? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, the Miami fans really shut up. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, inject that the, into my the, veins. The thing was, like, it was a very bad showing by Miami. The... Even though the score was pretty close in the grand scheme of things, it was like 31 to, uh, 31 to 24, I think it was. Um, uh, yeah, or 30 to 24, something like that. But, uh, I mean, it was garbage. I would say that's still kind of garbage time. They still had to do an onside kick to just try and get the ball at the possession at the end. They had to do two onside kicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 30 to 24. 30 to yeah, 30 to 24. Um, yeah, Miami is a private school, very expensive, and as a result, they think they're the they think they're hot shit. Yes, indeed, that is very much so. Uh, right. There were people defending uh, my yeah. The, there were uh, Hurricanes fans on Twitter like, oh, the FIU's all the people that couldn't get into Miami. Well, uh, you guys, it's the same. It's either the same or, or even below. The amount of quality in, in education, our, our law school is a lot better than theirs. That's for sure, uh, and and I, and I will say, and I will say that every single day, if until the day I, that I die. All right, the University of Miami just has the benefit of being here since 1925 or whatever. That's their only benefit, as far as anything else. Uh, but they have name recognition. Yeah, I mean, but that I mean. But as far as football is concerned, uh, they've been dead since that game against Ohio State in 2003. That's how long that program has been dead. That is the day that program died. All right? The refs or what? the pass interference, whatever you want it, 
whatever excuse you want for them losing that game, their hearts were ripped out, and the U, uh, I don't know, it was uh, it was shot with a, a silver bullet on, in that on that day, and it's never being revived ever again. They might have slivers, they might have blips where you know, hey, they have a nine win season here, maybe a ten win season there, every every couple decades, I don't know, but they're not gonna be. Uh, with uh, hanging with with all the big giant public schools for sure, the, uh, they just they can't even afford it. They just got an indoor practice facility. They just got one. Uh, they, I mean, and they had to beg for money just to get that one from from boosters and all all kinds of things. I mean, it's it's just the way it is. Uh, if any, I mean, the public universities have the benefit of of larger classes and, and, and more donors and, and that type of stuff and, and more money pumping in from the state. Uh, anyways. Although fun fact. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, UCF was the first school in the state to have an indoor practice facility. Nice. Nice. Uh, okay. So uh, so 13 nothing after we saw, and of course we have the gift of that, that one Hurricanes lineman that was dancing while they were down 13 and nothing coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. Um so it actually, it was worse than that. It was it was a lot worse than that. The dancing was worse and, than that. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. The 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 outcome, I guess. The the score does not indicate how bad they were beat. Uh, I forget. At one point, I think they were up by sixteen points. Yeah, it was twenty-one. Yeah, they were up by six. Yeah, yeah, they were up by 16 at one point, um, and they didn't score their first points until I think it was like a little over, a little under two minutes left in the third quarter when they kicked a field goal, which is freaking ridiculous. So, so now that okay, so uh, the game keeps moving forward into the second half. They're down at 16 to three, and. Um, it wasn't it uh and then um you're getting towards the end of the game and then FIU scores that last touchdown that last touchdown where and there's one uh, the one announcer uh the, the color analyst for that night he was saying they should have just downed the ball after they got the first down and ate the clock but the guy went in and went for the touchdown anyways but either way it was a huge moment for FIU that was basically the dagger if you even though mm-hmm. UM would score a touchdown to make it within a one score game, but it was it's still kind of garbage time ish. Uh, what because people were going the FIU crowd was going nuts at that point, but what 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 happened to the Hurricanes fans as did people leave early? Did a ton because it seems like a ton of people left early, leaving early. Uh, UM fans were definitely leaving early. Um, oh. Not that many, though. Oh, lather me um, in that I mean, in that sadness, like totally please. Out. But they 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 were still quite a few of them, and they were very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I'm looking at the box score right now. FIU was up 20 points at one point. Um, the fourth quarter, they scored a touchdown to make it 23 to three. Um, so anyway, yeah, it, now the thing is, Miami came on strong at the end. They scored 21, 
points. They scored 14 unanswered at one point. Garbage time. And they... <laughs> I'm sorry. Go I ahead. wouldn't call it garbage time. I, I, I'm just, they, I'm just, were... I'm just, I'm just poking, poking at the, I'm just poking at it, just making fun. I'm just saying it was garbage time. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, everyone thought it was going to be garbage time. But they... Credit to Miami, they did not give up. They the Hurricanes tried. do belong in garbage time. You, you're right, Charles. <laughs> uh, they did not give up. I mean, they brought it within within six points twice. They scored a touchdown with 3:10 left in the fourth. They attempted an onside kick, but it was recovered by FIU, who went mm-hmm. down the field and scored a touchdown, make it 30 to 17. And then they came back in under two minutes to score another touchdown. Uh, Miami did. They kicked another onside, but again, was recovered by FIU. They kneeled it, and the game was over. Um, All right. Yeah, so, it, it got very it got very tense at the end there. So uh, okay, as so you're in the press box for all of this. So. Uh, Not what? all of it. I was down on the field. Um, I was down on the field for most of the third quarter. Okay. Uh, that's kind of a little thing that I do. It's I'll spend the first half up in the press box. I'll go down to the field for the third, for at least a decent part of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Try to get some on-field pictures, um, and then I'll go back up to the press box for the remainder. But. One of my friends that I've made uh, covering FIU this season, and for clarification, I don't actually cover FIU per se. I've not read CFB's uh, FIU journalist, if you will, Mm -hmm. beat writer, but I live in Miami. They're in Miami. Yeah. Um, So that's... So it's not that I'm biased toward FIU or anything that I cover them specifically. I mean, but it just, it, it is what it is. I mean, I got credentialed to cover the Conference USA Championship this weekend. So, and FIU's not playing it within it. It's going to be up in Boca. It's FAU against UAB. So I'm more of the South Florida beat rider, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so, um, uh, uh, so, um, well now, what was the what was the mood of the of the media personalities as the game is going on? Like, I mean, because I, I would assume that they all went into the game believing Miami would win the game and probably win it handily. Right. Um, I th- the big the first big thing was Miami. Uh, Miami's first drive mm-hmm. um, because they they won the coin toss and deferred to the, deferred to the second half. Um, they were able to get FIU to punt uh, punt on their first drive. Miami two plays into their first drive got intercepted, and the the press box was like. Whoa. <laughs> they, they were not expecting that. And they ended up um, scoring a field goal. Then FIU got them to punt. 
and then on the next on FIU's next drive they scored a touchdown and all of a sudden the press box is kind of what is going on here maybe they have a chance uh-huh um the big the big thing that really hurt Miami was they had two drives in the one in the at the end of the first quarter one in the in about the midway point of the second quarter where they were not able to convert on two fourth and ones. Right. There was a lot of controversy with that, though. That, I was going to uh, ask you about that after that, but well, keep going, keep going. Um, FIU had just absolutely stopped them dead in their tracks. One of them was not just a fourth and one, it was a fourth and one at the one-yard line, and they weren't able to convert. They get one yard and you get a touchdown. Right, and the whole complexion. They of the game they, they went for a pass, right? Then they go for a pass for. Uh, no. Oh no no they were stopped they were stopped on the run that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterback. Yes. Uh, tried to tried to break it outside on the left, mm-hmm. but. Uh, oh no! Was I, I was looking back at the play. Uh, he should have passed because there was a guy open on the right side of of the end zone. That he they failed to see because they just went for the for the running play, right? That, was, that was what I was thinking of. It was it was a design quarterback run, right? Um, that wasn't a run pass option. That wasn't play action or anything. It was just the quarterback was was designated to just run the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but FIU picked up on it and they stopped him. And I think he actually lost a yard or two. Um, and then they would, and then on their next drive, they had another fourth and one. It was a little bit further back in the field this time. It was on the, what well, was also in the red zone. It was on FA, FIU's 18-yard line, mm-hmm. and they still got stopped. And again, changed the whole complexion of the game. Right. They would score a field goal as a result of that with two seconds left. So that brought that made the score. Uh, thirteen to zero at the end of the, uh, at the end of the second half, uh, end of the first half, or sixteen to three, so, right? Wasn't it sixteen to three? With the, uh, With the field goal, 10, 13. No, no, no. They, oh, um, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they went into the half was, thirteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So the 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 mood in the press box was, what is going on here? They, it was completely unexpected, even for the guys that cover my uh, cover FIU. Um, again, they don't write for FIU, but that they're kind of a beat writer for their organization. Mm-hmm. And no one was expecting what happened, not in the slightest. Um, same thing going into the third quarter. I mean, when Miami finally kicked a field goal, it was almost kind of like laughing. Laughing a little bit because um, it was like nothing. Even when they scored, it was on the five, they were in the five yard line. Yeah, they were at FIU's five yard line, and they still couldn't score a score a touchdown. So it was kind of almost like a laughter, almost of um, they just couldn't believe what was going on that Miami was, was <laughs> sucking that bad. And let me let me say this. A lot of controversy, you know. I 
I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, I, um, I, I, I think I know what you're getting at, and I wanted to ask you about it. Um, because Let's get it over with. Okay, so uh, there was a, com- a, a massive complaint by a lot of Canes fans looking, grasping at straws for excuses. Uh, that FIU killed some of their drives by killing their momentum by wh- what is the term is lobstering or being a lobster. Basically, a player fakes an injury in order to get an injury timeout without FIU wasting an actual timeout and base- and essentially uh, stopping whatever momentum the Hurricanes were, 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 were uh, creating in their uh in their drives and so it happened what like four times during the game and uh a lot of canes friends like oh i i'm gonna stop respecting butch davis after this and this and that even though they all secretly wish he was their their coach um what what say you was it that egregious did it really destroy the canes chances should they really be looking at that and and think oh that cost us the game that's that's clearly what what made us lose this game and 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 that's what they should say i mean i mean yes i think and everyone in the press box knew it that the these were not legitimate injuries um and again I mean, there, there was a guy laughing as it was happening you know, when he's being checked on. Like, it was, we all know, we all know, everybody knew, right. as you said. Like, again, I, I, I say this all allegedly. Um, you know, I don't want to get myself in trouble with FIU because Davis categorically, categorically denies. Um, so, from a journalistic perspective, I have to take his word for it. But. Personally speaking, and don't get me wrong, I <laughs> I give benefit of the doubt to any guy that goes, um, but this was these were this was particularly bad. Um, you know, there were th- two of them, and they just both so happened to be on those fourth and one drives. It's, it's definitely something's fishy going on, and it's not like he went down immediately. He went down after a few seconds. He was looking over at the sideline. He was like shrugging, putting his hands up. It it definitely had the appearance that they were not they were faking it, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. But it's something that is not limited to FIU. A lot of teams do it, uh, and it's, I mean, if it's certainly, he, it's, you know, what is that saying? Hate the, don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh-huh. It's, it's definitely a flaw in the rules, because, you know, if a guy goes down and appears to be injured, and it's, it, it's a hard rule to kind of get a hold of, because who's to say... Uh, whether a guy's in pain or not. Sometimes you, you can have a sharp pain that happens in your knee real quick, and then you stretch it out a little bit, and all of a sudden it's gone. I mean, that could happen. That could happen. Or, I mean, yeah. it's really hard to gauge pain on another person. Yeah, Although, it's, and like it, I said, it, it, 
what FIU was doing was pretty, you know, egregious. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty bad. And everyone in the press box was laughing when it happened. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's, that certainly killed their drives, I'll be completely honest. Mm -hmm. um, but that was not the sole reason that they lost the game. Um, they they got picked off three times. Uh, well, actually, four, but one of them was brought back due to a holding call. Um, they just... They, they just, just sucked. did not do anything right in the game. <laughs> All right. Um, again, again, like I said, you know, they, yeah, those killed their drives, but they still should have won. Yeah. But okay. they didn't. FIU was the better team. Now, now, as as the game ends... What is the mood after that? I mean, from the fans, from the media, uh, and, and even the, I mean, the players, obviously, and the coaches were, were glad. Right, but, right. For, unless you were a Hurricanes fan. But, um. Well, I, per my friend's suggestion, I wasn't even thinking of this, but he had this brilliant idea, and I just kind of slapped myself on the, on the face and said, duh, why, why not? because we're getting down to crunch time toward the end of the fourth quarter, and, you know, FIU's got a good chance at winning this. So he, he said, you know, I'm thinking about going down onto the field. Mm -hmm. And I said, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Right. So I go down onto the field, um, and I was able to get some fantastic pictures and footage. Those guys... The fans, um, it was funny, someone on Reddit asked me if fans stormed the field. I responded saying the opposite, the players stormed the stands. And, and I, I, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get all the photos that you sent me on here. I, I don't know why, I just can't, but uh, you can send those to me later. I can down, I can get them later. I can post them on our Instagram page, on at sportsgoofs on, on, on our Instagram page. But uh, Sorry, keep going. Go ahead. The uh, for your for your perspective, the fan, the FIU fans congregated on. So you know how on the first baseline near right field. Yeah, the the um, field was oriented from home plate towards right field, basically correct. down the first baseline. Uh, so you know how there the the foul the the fence is low. Mm -hmm. on down the line until it takes like this huge sharp jump up right okay so from end. okay yeah from home plate yeah and then the marlins have it on the on the right field side towards right the bullpen from there's like the corner almost it's near where that new stand of uh, freestanding lavar yeah the the right the right field corner right uh that's where the fiu fans congregated after mm -hmm. the game and um you know, just so loud. It was probably about as loud. Probably it felt as loud as how the uh, Miami fans were at some points. But you just hear FIU, FIU, FIU. There's a player who holds up a whiteboard that says "Little Brother." Yeah. Which is, which is a big thing. Uh, Miami thinks of FIU as Little Brother. Um, 
you know, you see like the upside down U's all over the place. You've got mm-hmm. guys hugging. You know, I love you, man. I'm so proud of you. It was, it was a surreal, surreal moment. It was so cool to be there in the middle of it. Um, yeah, and even more special because, I mean, just from a journalistic standpoint, it was so cool to be there. This was, um, I mean, from a historic, I mean, it was a historic win. That was their first win against a Power 5 team. Kind of. Um, I, I, I looked it up. Oh, okay. They had a previous win in 2011 against Louisville back when they were in the Big East. Ah, okay. When they were an automatic qualifying program. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is during the BCS era. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, six conferences were Power Fives, quote-unquote. They had uh, to the major bowls, things like that. But then in 2014, once the college football playoff era began, then the Big East, now known as the American Athletic Conference, was relegated into the lower echelon, if you will. Okay. So technically, this was their first Power Five win. But in reality, it was their second against a major program in that kind of upper echelon. Um, and this um, is, uh, I mean, it, there were so many things at play with this victory. One, Butch Davis, uh, he was their former coach, uh, likely, and, and was, their, was the guy that recruited uh, most of those guys that were on their last national championship team. He might, he might as well have been the, the head, he might as well have been the head coach. He left early. Yeah, to, to, for the Cleveland Browns job. Right. Um, but he got a, he recruited that national championship team. Right. There's no doubt about it. Anyone would be delusional to tell you otherwise. Basically, all Larry Coker had to do was just put it on autopilot. More or less, yeah. Um, he set the foundation for, for I think they actually had two championships, no? no well, 2001, no, and then they, they lost in 2003 against Ohio State. Right. And then they died he after that. Groundwork for that, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, like I said, and he made mention of it, uh, he said, you know, when he would drive down the 836 to the toward this game uh, you know it was weird for him to see not this to not see this old dilapidated rusting building um, which the orange bowl was in pretty bad shape by the time they tore it down in 2008 right but I mean the, uh, the history of that, the site because I mean even before there was a, a previous stadium there I mean that that place has been the field for football in South Florida before even that building itself was constructed so it's a historical place probably I mean, clo- uh, probably like a century's worth of of history on that field football history even a little now hopefully some baseball history uh, and there was a sliver of baseball history there uh, as well but um it, it's it's sick it is the most sacred ground for sports in south florida and, you know, I was, when I was doing my research uh, for the article, 
for Reddit uh, for RCFB. Um, there that I I knew about that it ex that it happened that it existed that the thing that it happened, but I never realized I never occurred to me it happened at the Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see. I had there was the the Hail Mary from Doug Flutie. Yeah. Um, the Fumble Ruski. Mm -hmm. Nebraska's Fumble Ruski. Uh, I'm pulling up the article right now. Um, the Hail Flutie, they call it. Yeah. The Hail Flutie, the Fumble Ruski. And then there were 16 national championship clinching games there. Yeah. Now, let me clarify that. When I clinching, that means that even though the team may have lost, they still ended up getting voted as national championship by one of the major selectors. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a you know no matter what happened, they were still going to be the national champion sort of thing. Yeah. So, but there were still 16 games over the thing over the stadium's history. Yeah that ended up being a championship clinching game and even though the stadium closed in 2008 it stopped hosting bowl games in 1996 when the orange bowl moved up i think there was stadium. one season where they added they had one because something happened at sunlight right. yeah, okay yeah at, at, um, mm -hmm. uh, right but that was also not a that was not a bowl that was not a national championship okay game. okay mm -hmm. um but I, I mean that place. I mean the 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 seventy two the seventy two Dolphins played there. I mean Dan Marino uh, played there. A lot of great NFL and college players played there on that site. Um, and uh, yeah, for people down here, it's they they're still sad that it's gone. That it's it's never been the same. That uh, you know the Marlins don't belong there, and and honestly, maybe the, they should probably switch stadiums. They should probably switch sites because the Marlins were more successful in their old stadium, and the Dolphins and Hurricanes were more successful in the old site. Maybe they should just switch buildings at this point. Maybe the magic will return for both of them. <laughs> um, so so I, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, I can't say enough. That was so where much fun. where does that rank in in your I mean, in your all time experiences at a sporting event, like uh, top top five in person, top three, yeah, in person. Because that that's a pretty big one. That's definitely in my top five. Okay. For sure. All right. Um. You know, I, off the top of my head, I can't make an actual ranking. All right, out of it, but it's in your top but, five. But like the 2017 War on I-4, that was definitely up there. 2017 American Athletic Conference uh, Championship game, that was up there. 2018 against Cincinnati, that's up there. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely in the top five, no doubt about it. All right. Um, you know. Just as a journalist, it was amazing, mm -hmm. but I, I, I try to be impartial, but 
I have a I have a hard time I have a hard time thinking that you could be completely impartial during that game. Like you must have been like yes, like like like. Like you know, you had the like under the table. You have like the little fist pump as they score a touch. So I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. I, you know, I'm I'm always for the underdog, um, except when it's UCF or FIU, and then that all goes out the door, um, or any team that I root for. But there was a little something extra special about yeah. that one, especially against the Hurricanes. Especially, Especially against those against fans. Um, and, you know, I created that nickname, Crusade for Miami Dade. I was hoping in my heart of hearts that they would be able to pull off the win and be able to use that and just really hammer that home with the article. And by golly, they did it. And that was <laughs> that was extra special. Uh, all right. Oh. Well, thank you, Andrew, for for giving us uh, your experience there. And then once again, on our Instagram page, we'll post the other photos that you took of that game. Uh, But we are at the halfway point, and uh, and that usually means, and it it always means, that we we get to one of our favorite segments here. It's it's a word from our non-sponsor, or people, places, things, concepts. If you want, you can start. Go ahead. Uh, this may be pretty obvious, but my non-sponsor of the week is FIU and Marlins Park. Oh, both. There's a, t- a twofer. Well, FIU for winning, which mm-hmm. was amazing. And then Marlins Park, they were – the staff was great there. Yeah. Um, that's that's our good old buddy Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're friends now. I mean, he's a friend of the show. He gave us all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So um, – yeah, it was the whole experience was amazing. Uh, just I, I can't really say enough about it. It's it was just incredible, amazing, fantastic. I can't come up with enough superlatives about it. Um, I mean, yeah, this is a real short one because I, there's not much more. Well, we we, we we could talk a little bit about the news of Marlins Park. Uh, once again, you were there for the last game, last official sporting event to have the real natural grass at uh, at Marlins Park. Uh, funny enough, and during the Orange Bowls era, uh, they, they did have an artificial turf. Uh, during the 1972 Dolphins perfect season, there was not a natural grass field when they did that. Um and I think some, I think sometime in the '80s they switched it back to grass. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Marlins are going to go with the synthetic turf. They're going to bring in the fences, which hopefully will lead to more offense at Marlins Park because it's it's been a primarily pitchers' park for a long time. So uh, I, I I posted on our our, our group chat uh, that it, Jeter's turning into Yankee Stadium South, hopefully with a short porch in right field and. And uh, nice, good dimensions for us to to, to make some uh, uh, some more runs there. And, and Marlins Park is going to be hosting Super Bowl Fifty Four opening night events. Uh, that's why some people have photos of the work that's going on right now because uh, we're getting in the run up for the Super Bowl uh, soon enough. And then, of course, South Florida, Miami is hosting it for the first time in a while. So that'll be exciting for us down here. We, we might be able to check out some stuff. Uh, while while they're down here, 
Um, all right, so uh, that, that's that's uh, Marlins Park and and of course FIU, uh, specifically the entire school, not, not just the College of Law, but the, the entire school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your promo code? Promo code is Little Brother. Nice. That's a good one. That's a very good one. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go Segundo second here. Uh, um, and I, I had prefaced this a couple weeks ago, when, and, and, and I'm going to do it finally here. My, my non-sponsor is Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> uh, and I said, I, I, I said last time I would do this because I knew, I knew I would get hooked. And guys, I have been hooked by the Pokemon bug once more. Uh, I got hooked uh, 10 years ago when I, uh, I hadn't played for a long time in a while. And it's been close to a decade since I last played Pokemon in any sort of uh, form or fashion outside of Pokemon Go and some of the mobile stuff, but uh, nothing serious from the mainline games. But this time, I, I could not help it. It's the first mainline game on a, on a well, hybrid console here with the Nintendo Switch. It's, it's both. But I'm... Uh, I'm having a blast. I know it doesn't have all of the Pokemon and National Pokedex. There's only 400 in this game. I still believe that they're gonna expand with it, some sort of DLC or something like that. That'll that'll quell uh, uh, everybody down from from the anger of that. But either way, a lot of the Pokemon are new to me. I'm having fun with it. I'm close to three quarters of the Pokedex done, and my goal is to get all 400. As my goal has always been to catch them all, uh, I, I, I and there's a competitive scene which I have not delved into. I haven't gone into the online battling yet. I've just been preoccupied with catching every single one of those little things, uh, and, and it's addicting. It is addicting. I, I, I thought that okay, uh, I'm, a, I'm an adult or, or at least a man child, and I should. Uh, I have all these other responsibilities and I have to pay rent and taxes and all kinds of BS, but I got hooked. Uh, I remember I had a session and you can see it on my own personal YouTube channel. I, I had a session that I was up for six hours from, and I, w- I went to sleep like at 4 a.m. Uh, playing with my buddy Michael uh, online. Uh, I got hooked. I, I'm, it, is, it is like a drug. Eventually, I'll, get, I'll wean off of it. I'll wean off of it, especially after I get the 400. I'll wean off of it, but for now, the game is addicting. The storyline is... It's okay. I still wish it was a little more mature. I actually think Pokemon Yellow, uh, Red, Blue, Gold, Silver, Crystal, I still think those games were more mature than this one. Um, you know, the, at least the, the the theme of the, of the games. Uh, because I felt this one was a little too... Uh, vanilla for me uh, which is surprising because I was the games came out way back when and we were all like eight nine ten years old and, and sheesh um, but it's a good game uh, the new stuff the new mechanics the dynamaxing didn't really affect the game too much so I, I, I like that and uh, it's fun it's Pokemon it's fun it, don't be so preoccupied with all the complaints that people are making those are just people that love just to complain about everything all right uh, baby Yoda cannot be caught in the game so unfortunately that that's not a thing that you can do but 
other than that, you can still get Pikachu and all your, your favorite boys there. So, uh, promo code is, uh, 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 stop complaining because it's good. <laughs> Alrighty. Alright, Charles, uh, you're, you're sitting in the back there. You, uh, what you got for, for us this week? If he's back there. Uh, Charles, are you there? Senor, Senor Charles? Is he away? I, I can't. If he's there, I can't hear you, dude. Uh, I can't hear him. Okay. Well, if we can't hear him, we might have to loop back around. We can't hear you, Charles. Uh, you're you're gonna have to you hang up and call back us. Call back in again. All right. Uh, just get out of the thing and then come back, and we'll probably hear you then. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll wait for him to do that. I, I guess we can move on to another topic here um, uh, we can go to uh, one of the uh, interesting topics I want to talk about and we're gonna have to go to one of our favorite websites and it's good old sports logos down that from our our logo file our buddy uh, Chris Creamer as uh, Charles are you still ba are you back there dude uh, I think he hung up on us he'll be back He'll be back. All right, Andrew. Uh, sports logo stuff. I mean, we can talk about this all day, but there's some new, uh, especially Major League Baseball. Um, Charles, can you hear us? Ah, he's yes. back. All right, so we can loop back to our non-sponsors here. All right, Charles. First off, ooh, I apologize. I mean, I, I thought I was on, but you couldn't hear me. So a lot of things have happened, you know, with Thanksgiving. The, the bigger holiday that occurred was Black Friday mm. because, you know, we talk about you know, we mentioned earlier about Thanksgiving be a sense of what the self-indulgement could be of the you know, entitlement of food. Well, Black Friday is an entitlement of my capitalistic tendency to buy everything I want at a discounted price because I hate paying playing full price because I'm like poor. And Francisco mentioned <laughs> about, you know, being a man child. Well, I'm basically a man child in the embodiment of a baby spirit because everybody loves the baby Yoda stuff because we love nostalgia. I love something different. Guys, I thought about it. I might have mentioned it prior, but uh, I'm going to go back into it again because I finally did purchase it amongst the many games that I bought on Black Friday, Ooh. such as the Maddens and the Resident Evil 2s and then, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Outer Worlds. The biggest joy that I had, gentlemen, was going to GameStop. And I had to go to a couple of different stores and run out of it, so I was shocked. But going to GameStop and getting for $19.99, not one but two games and a complete package for my Nintendo Switch. And that's the Disney Classics. Oh, featured. that's a surprise. When I went, it, it was screaming to me, I can show you the world, shining, shimmering, splendid. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm ready for this magic carpet ride. And I was ready, man. I grew up in generation Genesis, SNES, NES. I love platformers. I hate kind of a little bit of modern day platformers because I'm not as good as I used to be. And man, if I have to go back into a time machine and find six-year-old Charles who was playing this stuff on his Genesis, I give him the fist bump because the games change a little bit. Not only do you get two games, but also you get the different variations. With Aladdin, which I beat last night, you have the S version, you have the Final Cut version, you have the Japanese version, you get two handheld versions, one black, white, one in color. Same thing kind of applies to Lion King. But you know what the biggest game changer is, gentlemen? You can save in these games. Back then, mm -hmm. 1995, oh, no. 96, oh, yeah. you could not save. 
you die after a couple times. You don't go even go back to the beginning of the level. You go back to the beginning of the game. Do you know how many times I had to do Agrippa Market? Do you know how many times I had to do the Cave of Wonders and escaping? Oh that night, you know, and I, I tell my family, hey guys, come here, come look at this. And they see me riding on a magic carpet ride, going, trying to save my life. And muscle memory is a real thing because guys, for the first time, my greatest accomplishment, more important than passing law school, more important than passing the bar exam, more important than getting a job and becoming a real boy, more important than me buying my WWE championships last couple years of big boy money. I went through the Cave of Wonders level where you're flying on the carpet at yeah. breakneck speed, and I did not die a single time. First wow. Muscle memory is real. The spirit of six-year-old Charles, it was like the movie <laughs> Looper. Or any other time. No, no, no. It's even that. Marty McFly's in this with his pumped up kicks, his hoverboard, and his cool little vest and says, Hey, I got you. And I didn't die a single time. I beat it last night. Beat your fire room. I'm like, I know. I got to do something for the apples. So I beat it. Tomorrow night over the weekend, I'm going to attack Lion King. Because you know what? I just can't wait to be king, gentlemen. So that is my non sponsor week. Disney's Sega, or it's not Sega, because it's guess, but Disney's classics featuring Aladdin Lion King. Promo code. Muscle memory. Nice. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, that Aladdin game is freaking brutal with that um, that that escape level. It's infamous. It's infamous. 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 Is there a re there's a rewind feature in that game, right? There is, but you know what? Mama didn't raise no punk. <laughs> I did save a lot though. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I think I have the patience. Yeah. So here's the thing, real quickly. Now that you're able to save that game, which probably took like six or seven or eight hours to beat, only took me about two and a half. Wow. Wow. What have I done? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the future. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean that's that's the beauty of of the re-releases of all these games. I've still yet to go through that Super Nintendo library that Nintendo gave us. Uh, but uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It, it takes me back to when I owned the Sega Genesis. Uh, I was a Sega Genesis kid way back when, of course. Uh, my love of the Hedgehog is is both uh, well known and inappropriate. Uh, anyways. Guys, uh, I was uh, trying to get us back here on the... Whoa, everything disappeared on me there. Uh, the... I guess the logo file uh, look here. And, and I wanted to go through and I have not seen them yet. I have not seen them. Uh, the XFL has popped out with their uniforms. I have not seen them. I, I wanted to get my own genuine reaction for uh, this, uh, this show here. And I, and I don't know if you guys have seen them, but... If not, and if so, or whatever, we're, we're going to go through them. We're going to go through uh, Charles's good buddy Vince McMahon's new baby. Or old baby that's returning to be new. I don't know. Baby Yoda. Vince McMahon's Baby Yoda. Uh, the XFL. Uh, so let's let's hopefully that loads for us very soon. Because uh, I want it to load for us. Come on, Chris Kramer. Come on. Give it to us. Give us the cream. All right. So uh, eight and eight XFL teams. We had gone through them previously, and uh, they have come out with their uniforms. So um, hopefully, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, let's see. Here's our first one: the DC Defenders. So uh, D I don't know if you guys have seen them, but if not, they're on the screen here. Uh, let's see, completely red and white with a thunderbolt pattern on the right pant in red and white. They kind of look like the Detroit Red Wings in a way. So, uh, actually, kind of look like the Detroit Red Wings mixed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's a 
which is kind of what the lightning uniforms are at this point. They're Red Wings jerseys, but in blue. <laughs> um, any thoughts on this one, this first one here, DC Defenders? Yeah. Honestly, I think all of them are extremely bland and unoriginal. Oh, uh, I have not seen the rest, so let's let's it's, keep. It's the same. Same template. It's the same, just different colors. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try and go through this a little faster here, if that's the case. <laughs> They've got the fenders there and their font and their, their color scheme. Uh, very, they're nothing too flashy, and they've got their white variants of the same thing. Uh, let's keep moving. They look like the Kansas City Chiefs. Each one of them has like a build-up of a pro and college football. So if you're on the defenders, the the white unis to me looks like Bama. The all reds look like the Chiefs to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dallas Renegades. And if you guys can, one of you guys can lower your uh, your speaker there because I can hear myself on the reverb. Oh gosh, this is not loading fast enough for me. Okay, now it's gone. It's gone for me. Uh, gosh darn it, this is not going fast enough. You know what? Uh, if it's not going fast enough, we're going to screw it and we're going to keep moving on to our next topic here. Uh, uh, we can get back to it some other time. All right. Uh, NHL news. I wanted to get through this, and this is part, partly our lunar learner goof section as well. So, Charles, uh, get your get your pen and paper ready, as I'm about to school you on some hockey knowledge. All right. All right. A few weeks ago now, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs fired Mike Babcock. The Leafs felt that they were not. Uh, heading in the right direction with him at the helm. This was significant because Mike Babcock has a Stanley Cup championship in his resume. 2008 with the Detroit Red Wings, he lost the Stanley Cup in 2003 with the uh, the Anaheim, well actually the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim back then. Uh, the 2009 Stanley Cup he lost when the Red Wings faced the Penguins. He won the 2010 Olympic gold medal for Team Canada. He's never won. Yeah, it was, either way, fantastic Olympic tournament. Probably the best one that there's oh, ever was, been. No question, and one of the best. I, what, I still get nightmares. Oh, no, but it's still one of the best games of all time. Best hockey games ever played. Um, I think Absolutely, it's. No I think question. it's up there. I think it's up there. Uh, so he was the the head coach for Team Canada in 2010. He's never won the Jack Adams for a, a learn to go goof here, Charles. The Jack Adams is the coach of the year name for for award for for the NHL. NHL all their awards are named after something. It's it's very Canadian in that sense, um, and it's named after Jack Adams, who was a nine-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, he's the only person to win the Stanley Cup as a player, a coach, and a general manager. Uh, continuing on with Mike Babcock, uh, he is the winningest coach in Detroit Red Wings history, passing surpassing Jack Adams in his in his Red Wings tenure. He is he has an honorary law degree from the University of Saskatchewan, which is uh, so he's perfectly qualified to be on our show. And he's free now, so if, if you're listening, Mike Babcock, you can join us if you want. Uh, 
so he was the highest paid coach in the NHL when he was fired. So the Leafs threw a ton of money at him. Now they're going to be paying uh, for a coach that's not there. So once again, the Leafs find a way to shoot themselves in the foot in some sort of way, shape, or form. Uh, Charles, if you don't know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the most valuable franchise in hockey. They are the New York Yankees of hockey and value. They're not the Yankees of hockey and in success, but in value, yes, they are the they are the quote unquote center of the hockey universe. Uh, but and the Leafs have not won a Stanley Cup since 1967, which is the current longest drought for any team at this point. Uh, regardless of uh, there's some expansion teams that have yet to win as well, uh, they are the the longest active streak. At this point, so Toronto is desperate for a championship, which is why they went nuts for the Raptors uh, this last season. Uh, so Mike Babcock was a significant coach. However, things have come out since his firing, and it's it's becoming a trend very quickly in the NHL of of current players and former players coming out with stories about him and not just him other coaches in the NHL other former head coaches uh, in the NHL uh, just this past uh, we'll stick with my backpack for now but um, stories of coming out are coming out of how much of a, of a douche he's been to his players one story from the Leafs from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, tenure. Uh, there's a there's a coach. There's a significant player uh, on the Maple Leafs salary cap league, so they might have to part ways with either him or Austin Matthews unless they can find a way to. I know I digress. Mitch Marner was a rookie. Uh, I think around 2016 or something like that, or 15. Uh, and Mike Babcock went up to him and is like, "Look, uh, you're not playing so well right now. Can you? I want you to." like in a coaching type of inspiration type of thing. I want you to make a list from top to bottom of our entire roster. And I want you to list the players from hardest working to least hardest working. And he's like, Oh, okay. And so Mitch Marner created the list. Uh, he put himself at the bottom of the list because Canadian players are, are all hockey from most pretty much every hockey player is a humble human being who's the nicest guy on earth <laughs> there's there's very few a-holes in hockey and Mitch Marner put himself at the bottom and he put a couple of his other teammates ahead of him uh, like William Nyquist and I forgot who else so he thought that this was going to be a private thing like this is between me and my head coach and he's going to see my list and you know give me a pep talk and this type of that you know you need to work harder this and that Mike Babcock, I think at the end of a practice, goes into the locker room and proceeds to read the list to his teammates. A, a completely horrible, embarrassing, just, oh no, uh, don't tell me my connection went down. Are you guys back? Are you guys there? Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. All right. The connection kind of stalled out a little bit, but... uh. uh once again, Mitch Marner in the locker room with all of his teammates after a practice, 
Mike Babcock walks in with a list of players that he had from hardest working to least hardest working. He's completely embarrassed in front of his teammates. And it's really, it's a horrible, he's a rookie. It's a horrible thing to do to a guy in any sort of fashion or sense, in any sort of organization, really. Uh, and the players got angry, but not at Marner. They got angry at Babcock. Like, how could you do this to this guy? He's a rookie. We like him. You put him in an, an horrible position that he shouldn't have been in. This was a private matter that you should have kept private. And now you put it out there in the open. And it's just, that was one of the stories that came out initially when uh, Babcock got fired. Now, players that used to play for him uh, that are still playing or, or, uh, or former players are coming out with their stories. Mike Commodore, who won the uh, Stanley Cup in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes, he was coming towards the end of his career around 2010 or something like that. Uh, for the Red Wings, I think the Red Wings had just come off losing the the 9 Stanley Cup final. And Commodore was at the end of his career, but he still wanted to be uh, valued as a player. So he went to Detroit. A lot of players went to Detroit. Mike Madonna went to Detroit to have one last shot at Stanley Cup, feeling that they would be treated well as veterans. And Mike Babcock sold Marner, or not Marner, um, Commodore during free agency, like, you're going to come here, we're going to treat you well, I'll play you, you'll be on the fourth line, but you'll get minutes, this and that. And so he signed with Detroit for that very reason. Mike Babcock, over the course of maybe 20, 25 games or so, uh, uh, or for pretty much half, half of that season, he healthy scratched... Um, Commodore, he sat him, benched him, uh, just to sit in the press box for pretty much every game. Like, he didn't use him at all. And Commodore was furious. He, he wanted out. And who could blame him? He's like, he, he would have played someplace else, even with a bad team, had he known that he was just not going to play. Uh, so that's a story. That, and he went on Twitter and basically says he hates Mike Babcock, like he absolutely hates the guy. Like he punched him on the streets if he if he saw him. Uh, another story came out. Johan Franzen, who's a very likable player in the National Hockey League, was verbally assaulted on the bench during a game by Mag Mike Babcock. That towards the end of that game, he was having a nervous breakdown that he had to go see uh, a therapist for. Like, this guy broke him down. And so now you're like, okay, wow, Babcock does not belong in the NHL now. Uh, this is, I mean, there's the, the trend of players, coaches, and that type of thing. But it's a trend that's happening nowadays with, with everything. People are, are being, are, are much more uh, conscious of the way others are treating them. Harassment of all sorts of, of ways, shapes, and forms. And telling their stories and not being afraid to, to call people out. Uh, even if it happened a while ago or it happened most recently, they're still calling people out. Uh, people in high positions like a head coach in the National Hockey League, especially of Babcock's caliber. Well, uh, another thing that came out was the, 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 the head coach of the Calgary Flames, he resigned uh, his position 
this past week because it came out that when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Thrashers, uh, one of the players, I think his name is Akeem Aliyu, uh, he was, um, uh, he's a, a, an African-American or African-Canadian uh, hockey player. Um, he said, like, look, this guy said racist things towards me when I was playing for him with the Atlanta Thrashers. The Thrashers, uh, whether it was intentional or not, was known to have a lot of um, black hockey players, which are not not very common, but they're, they're there. Um, they, they, they are in the league, like, like P.K. Subban and that, t- that type of, or, or Dustin Bufflin. Uh, anyways, now he, he's had a meeting with the National Hockey League to try and, and make them aware of, of these things that are happening in the league. Uh, of coaches just over overstepping, uh, utilizing their power for for bad. Uh, Mark Crawford, uh, uh, he's currently an assistant coach with the Blackhawks, I think. I believe he has also been called out for uh, things that he did when he was the head coach of I forgot which team, but it's something that's happening right now. A lot of coaches uh, in the in the NHL are getting called out for. Their, their horrible mistreatment of players uh, emotionally uh, oh it was um, it was um, Sean Avery and Andrew if you you know hockey you recognize the name Sean Avery definitely yeah. okay so, uh, Charles you gotta look up Sean Avery because he's like to... <laughs> do you want me to take this one I mean you can you can you can explain to Charles who Sean Avery is but Charles you, you you'd be I, is I have to hate Mark Crawford. Okay, well, yes. well Sean like Avery that. is a character. Sean Avery would be a very good He'd be a very good wrestler. <laughs> That's for sure. At least a yes, character. A character in definitely, wrestling. Definitely a heel. Yes. Sure. Yes. Um, all the, but then I'm going to like him because all the best guys are heels. <laughs> then, you'll well, li- then you'll like him. You'll li- you can like him. Wait, don't he, worry. I like him. Wait, wait, can, can, I, can I quote real quick? He interned at Vogue to be a model. <laughs> yep. I mean, he's got a little. Yeah. He's got a little Marlon Brando for Christian Slater. He's a handsome douche. We can call him that. That's okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll put no, him up on the screen way, here. But go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. There is a term in hockey called a goon or a an, an enforcer. Um. Well, goon. That I know. What's that? That I know. That you know. Uh, he is like the prototypical goon. Um. Case in point, um, I think it was during a, it was a playoff series between the New York Rangers, who he was on at the time, mm-hmm. and the New Jersey Devils. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, Francisco. Oh yeah. So it's a generally accepted tactic that a guy will will stand in front of the goalie to try and screen them and make it a little bit tougher for them to stop a puck. Right. Um, he kind of took it to the next level. Mm. Um, he found a loophole in the rules where <laughs> there was nothing that said you couldn't face the goalie, like wave your arms, like act like one of those wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men. <laughs> um, so he was doing that and and just like mimicking every move of the goalie, Martin Brodeur. Hall of Fame and goalie, one of the best of all time. Hall of Fame goaltender. Um, 
and he exploited that loophole. Um, and he he had a thing against Martin Martin Tambrodor. Like, um, there's a wonderful video. There's a wonderful video on SB Nation of beef history yep. between Sean beef Avery history. and Martin Brodeur. So apparently, Brodeur, what was it? He divorced his wife and married his wife's sister. His that... his wife's twin sister. Well. Or his ex-wife's twin sister. Or his current wife's twin sister. Whatever you want to say. It's so weird. But yes. So he said that the the new wife was his sloppy seconds. And... <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Like, he is... Like... Francisco said that all guy, all hockey players are upstanding. Actually, he is, believe it or not. He, he is. He is. He is a very good person. Mm-hmm. But you marrying your sister's twin? No, Let, that was the goal. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. He, he, Sean Avery called out Martin Brodeur and said that the new wife, the twin sister of his first wife, um... It was the sloppy seconds. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it, he's a great person. He, he's very not woke, but he he's socially responsible, things like that. But when it comes to hockey, he like I said, he's kind of the prototypical goon, and just pissed everyone off. So, so that's kind of uh, you made me, a, you made me a, friend, a fan, you guys. When I shouldn't be, just because he's so audacious as a human being. No, I, I, no, I, I, I liked him even when he was playing. I liked him when he was when he was playing because because of the antics, he had personality. A lot of hockey, and there's his fight with him with Martin Brodeur. It's just, I, I mean, so uh, in in that. You, I have to link you the video from SB Nation, but there he is blocking Brodeur's site on purpose there. They actually made a rule. It's called the Sean Avery rule. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> and believe it or not, there is an SB Nation video about that rule. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so Sean Avery has contributed much to hockey history. Anyways, uh, Mark Crawford was his former coach. Uh, I forgot with who, but uh, Sean Avery has said that look he actually physically kicked me during a game uh because of something that he was unhappy with me about if like physically kicked them like physically kicked them i forgot where i'm probably on the shin pads or whatever by the way i mean you hit the back of the shin pads there's no there's nothing protecting your calves he probably because the coaches are back there uh so he was probably kicking them in a, in a spot that would hurt um and he, and hockey players probably hurt all the time with all the stuff they have to do. But that came out for Mark Crawford. Now that's under investigation. I forgot what happened with that. Um, so there's just a lot of things going on with hockey, like with regards to the coaches, that it's 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 very refreshing in a sense. I mean, there's a lot of people online that are with the old school mentality. Oh, you guys, you know. You, pussies or whatever you want to call it I mean that's the the, the description that they're using 
But no, no, it's just, look, people are getting called out for things they should have been called out for a long time ago. And they're getting the comeuppance now. So, you know, karma, uh, karma is, uh, is, uh, is a B. Yeah, yeah, that's a very much, very much so. So they're just getting their just desserts now, all right? Uh, so that's what's going on in hockey. I hope you, you've learned something about a little hockey coaching history, that's for sure. Uh, you learned about Sean Avery, and and uh, you, you will not. And it's too bad he's retired. He would be your favorite hockey player right now, actually. I, I love a good heel. I love a good heel, man. He, I can see him as being the Stone Cold Steve Austin anti-authority of hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, as far as other hockey news, uh, I, I can just run these off real quick, and then we can move on to our, our, our next subject here. Uh, as far as three stars of the week, this past week, Nathan McKinnon, uh, center for the Colorado Avalanche. Once again, another fantastic three games. Avs are doing great. They went 3-0, and and McKinnon had nine points, three goals, and six assists in those three games. Including, I think he had like a seven-point night uh, to cap it off. Like he just went off in his last game. Uh, David Riddick for the Calgary Flames is our second star of the week. Goalie Nine, stopped 95 of 101 shots he faced. Went 2-0 and 1. 1.94 goals against average. 941 save percentage. As uh, the Flames, uh, after with their, their coach fired now, uh, still got five out of six points. Uh, in that stretch and third Martin Martin Jones another goalie for the San Jose Sharks went 3-0 1.98 goals against average 935 save percentage as uh, the Sharks won uh, three games and four four chances and moved into third place in their division so that's that's it for hockey we can move on from there if you guys want okay uh, want to talk some NFL so, uh, Charles, uh, you're Tennis- Ten- Ryan Tannehill, the savior of the Tennessee Titans, right? Okay. So, <laughs> I-, I think this is a great way to introduce three things. One, my concern of Ryan Tannehill's success. Uh, Two, Derek Henry giving me a middle finger as he always gets to the end zone. Look, he is, he's, he's scoring, man. He's scoring. <laughs> so, I'm going to take this systematically, and I'll start with Derek Henry. As a fan who actually watches his games and doesn't get stuck on his fantasy football log because I would retire from that life, Derrick mm-hmm. Henry is having a great season for the outside end. But, and this is a big but, and I kind of did the same stats, you know, a couple weeks ago, a couple shows ago, I guess, and the same thing applies here. You know, the guy busts out big runs. But when you look at yards per average, you know, the carry that you have, it's always going to be more important to me than him. I mean, obviously, I want him to have a 1,000-yard season. I want him to have 16 touchdowns. I want him to be the good guy. But as a fan, why does it matter? And also leading to Ryan Tannehill, this is a contract year. You need to make a decision about what you're going to do and how you're going to spend the money. We are thankfully you know, built with a lot of blue-collar guys, so we don't have the superstars to pay superstar money, but there's going to be someone who coaxes us in to paying them a lot of cash. Do I think it's Tannehill, or do I think it's Derrick Henry? Well, I think it'd be Derrick Henry. And here's my policy on uh, running backs. And I know this sounds weird because we spent all last offseason me defending Le'Veon Bell, and now when I have a young fellow who wants to get paid, I'm going to be like, don't do it. 
please. You know, Derrick Henry's season is 1,100 yards so far, 11 touchdowns, 4.9 yards a carry. That's a high average of yards per carry, but a lot of it comes from those broken tackles that he has. You know, he has multiple um, tackles, you know, that are going for big runs of more than 20, so that kind of inflates the stats a little bit because I remember when I did the stats last time, you know, he was at 3.7 yards a carry. So if we're at 3.7 yards a carry and he's coming in now at a 4.9, you know, when I did that stats on the show, it was probably around, I don't know what we're in week 13, 11, something of that nature here. I can't do math because I am not a smart guy. 75 mm-hmm. so week 12. I think that's around week eight when he did it, week seven. So things have kind of broken off and it's concerning because you want to spend your money judiciously. However, we're, it's not as if we're going to give Corey Davis mega money. It's not like we're going to give a lot of guys on the offensive line who are up for the year like Taylor Wan and Jack Conklin a lot of money, so might as well put it to him. So live, you know, live and die by the stats of the people and some people get the payment. But we already suffered from giving Dion Lewis money that he doesn't deserve because the guy's barely on the field and that's just a bad decision by John Robinson. But hey, whatever. Uh, but Derrick Henry's going to want to command Le'Veon Bell cash or the Zeke cash, but the man can't even catch any balls in the backfield. It's a good you know, blitz pickup when you're going for on third down. So every now and then he gets this big oomph of a screen, but he can't do much out of that. Going to Ryan Tannehill. No, no thank you. Please, <laughs> no, because here's the thing. Ryan's conservative, but I've been saying you've learned from the Dolphins fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see a differentiation between him and Marcus Mariota aside from health. But they both had homeless first year offensive coordinator Arthur Smith decide to say, hey, instead of trying to maximize, you know, this quarterback, let me just maximize each player that I have running this offense. Because here's the thing that we forget about offensive coordinators. It's every per- you are responsible for maximizing the potential and overseeing the plays for all the players on there. If you're built to be a zone running team, you gotta make zone running plays. If you're built to be a run pass option kind of thing, you have to do that. If you're built to be a super, you know, bull contender these days, you need quick offense. I think Arthur Smith didn't know what he was doing with Marcus Mariota because hey, you know, I think Ryan Tannehill got a very conservative playbook. You know, every now and then it's just throw deep when you got a guy open. I mean, with Derrick Henry, he actually has a running back that can score and everything like that. I mean, he's got some weapons that he didn't have in Miami. So, and they probably, I mean, he's, and you're right. They, they've, the Titans have utilized Tannehill the way you probably should utilize him. He's an average quarterback and he's, he can manage the game. And you use him that way. He's not going to be, uh, he's not a superstar quarterback, so you can't use him that way. The Dolphins tried. They tried. It's just not the way he is. Just not the way he is. History's on our side because if we're trying to be super, super bowl contenders, which leads me to the third part, Fred Rank, we're listed as being Ah, yes, let me post, let me post that. Me. Yeah, that's surprising me. So what I looked at for looking at wild card is that we get there, but also Pittsburgh comes in. I think that's inaccurate. I think Duck Hodges is doing a great thing as being an undrafted or a fifth-round guy who's coming in, but I think they're going to lose lost team because James Conner's not healthy, and you know they benefit from weaker schedule. But if we were to make it, history can be on our side to have at least to win Super Bowl rings with slightly above-average quarterbacks. So let's take a little peek, gentlemen. Nick Foles ain't doing so hot in Jacksonville. Not really his kind of fault thing, because that's like, garbage can right there for trash it's trash and bill over there yeah you know he was able to win the super bowl with the eagles because they put the right players around him we look at let's go a little bit old school 2003 buccaneers it was brad johnson and then you have the ravens first year with uh 
Trent Dilfer, and then you yep. have um, anybody who's not named Tom Brady leading into it. Joe Flacco himself, who yep. was playing out a contract, he just didn't turn the ball over. If you have a strong defense, strong offensive line, strong running game, because that's what Tampa had, that is what um, you know Ravens had when they went in back. Like I would say, to actually, no, I'll give it to Flacco on the 2011 one, but I'll give it to them on 2001. It was them in the defense. And then even going into, I'll say Nick did the job done for the Eagles because that running game was just J.H.I. who got traded in. But yeah. there is a bit of potential. Can you beat things, though? Because I look at this team, I say, I was going to call them a pretender for at least being a threat in the playoffs, but then we beat who? The Chiefs. And yeah. that kind of changed. The Patriots are weak. Texans are kind of legitimate, but we played them twice. So here's the thing. I don't know if we're going for Walker. We might be in contention for... Say with me now, the AFC South. I mean, I think, you know, we know Jacksonville's out of the race here, in my opinion. Indianapolis is kind of falling from earth because there's too many injuries. Jacoby Brissett can only do so much. They don't have a lot. Eric Ebron's gone. T.Y. Hilton's hurt. Parrish Campbell hasn't really jumped into what he was supposed to be coming out of Ohio State as a third-round draft pick. But that's life. Pick better, draft better. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and, and you still have you still have your, your, your two matchups against them. Exactly. And here's the thing. Houston has been beatable. They just put the whooping on New England, but that's because New England's just not as good as they are. You know, and that's a product of not drafting the wide receivers or signing dudes. It was one of those things where you ask yourself, I know he's insane, but would you be in this position to be an anemic offense? He's so anemic that he's getting that the Patriots are getting prescribed iron pills from Robert Kraft's doctor. That's how <laughs> anemic they are on offense. And you ask yourself, could you even have a fighting chance if you kept Antonio Brown? I know he's a headache, but you know, We'll see. It's a question. Granted, that whole that's just me being kind of like salacious or even trading away Josh Gordon. I mean, he's not doing anything in Seattle, but we all know the reason why he was picked up at Seattle for playoffs, not yeah. for regular season. He's going to learn the playbook and then he's going to shine out and ball out when he's lined up with Demontre Moore. Tyler uh, Lockett, now the, the Patriots can the Patriots can out. can pop back into this picture if they can just re-sign Antonio Brown because he is he is begging to get back on the Patriots. Oh, yeah. if get you, him on a veteran minimum. If you, if you see his his, uh, his social media stuff, he is basically writing love letters to the Patriots at this point. He's uh, the guy that cheated on his girlfriend with his sister and married her and got sloppy seconds. That's for you, Sean Avery. You're my new best Oh, friend. boy. Oh, I am so glad we taught you about him. All right. Uh... Uh, let's see other NFL stuff. The okay, the New York Jets. Oh gosh, they are the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, what a blessed holiday season. The New York Jets, the first team ever, ever to lose to two teams that were zero and seven or worse. Mm. Wow. Oh boy. Mm. Slather, slather me in that, please. Oh, Adam Gase, you you still have a job. Uh, it is. You are, he fails forward. He just fails forward. Wow. Um, yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals finally win a game. You would think we'd all rejoice from that because uh, this tank battle uh, should should have been much tighter. But lo and behold, the Miami Dolphins defeat the Philadelphia Frauds, uh, the, the football version of them, not, not the, the basketball or baseball or hockey version of the Philadelphia Frauds. The Eagles lost that game and i saw that whole game i was in disbelief uh at first but then i you know say what you will about tanking and yes i i do hope the dolphins do get the number one pick but i I, at this point i don't see it i really don't see it they could 
potentially because they have the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals in their next three matchups. The Dolphins could end up with six to seven victories, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, but hopefully that's a testament to Brian Flores' coaching because this, this group should not should not be winning uh, against the Eagles of all teams. But they did. The Dolphins did. Uh, so that happened. Washington beat the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, Ron Rivera was finally fired. Oh, so, oh uh, that was, so wrong. You really? You you think so it was wrong? wrong. You Okay. Yeah, fire him. Sure. Let the man finish out his season, though. I mean, yeah, at this I point, mean, I don't know why the Panthers – I mean, the Panthers are going to lose. Miles will – uh, I mean, if I, you, you get better your, bra- your draft position, you know? Uh, I, I can tell you why. Why? Daryl Tapper mm. is in love with Norb Turner. Uh-huh. Even though he put Perry Fuel, former, I think he was a interim coach for the Giants, for, not for the Giants, but also for Miami, too, if memory serves me. Or at least he was on Miami's defense. I mean, defense it, it, I mean, it does make sense, because Carolina is four games back in the tank race. They, they would have the 14th pick right now. So, so, so let's hmm. talk about this because this is my favorite segment of any kind of sports goofs moment. It's called Conspiracy Time oh. with Charles. And let's think about it. Cam Newton is a inaccurate but athletic mobile quarterback. He is also a he was a 2015 MVP, mm-hmm. led to the playoffs, you know, and the Super Bowl. The right. whole thing about him was his mechanics, inaccuracy, his accuracy. We got to get him the right coordinator. So you know they had the. Uh, they had what's his face because of course I can't remember the original offensive coordinator, but he was the son of a legendary coach. Mm-hmm. Now it'll come back to me. I believe he was a U man, but hey, my brain doesn't want to work today because it's Wednesday <laughs> and I have the day. Um, but whatever, it'll come back to me when we're at the end show. And you know I'm gonna yell at it. I'm gonna scream like you scream when there's no magic deals. But then I say, <laughs> how can we make it better? Let's get Norv Turner, the man known for the West Coast offense. It's about rhythm and timing. It doesn't believe in running anything at all outside the pocket with a mobile quarterback. The man who wasted away part of the youth of and the greatness of Philip Rivers and San Diego yeah. when they were the Chargers. It's going to be like one or two playoff appearances. The man who was a head coach in Washington and didn't do anything. The man who's just told to be a great offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, and he quit because you're punk. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I came in, and now he's here. Why? Because Daryl Tepper, because he said in his whole uh, – you know, agreement about why or press statement about why he released Brown River. I want a young offensive mind guy. So he's pulling the whole I want Sean McVay. He's looking at what Sean McVay's doing. Trash is not going to make the playoffs, I think. They, they regressed. And they trashed because he was probably too not ripe enough yet to bring in because he wasn't even calling plays. He came from the McVay coaching tree. Look, I like Sean McVay like anybody else because he took a very destitute franchise that was suffering from a former Tennessee Titans coach, Jeff Fisher's sway and made them respectable. But, you know, Sean McVay ain't no Bill Parcells or even a Bill Belichick to say yeah. I got the coach. So mm-hmm. calm the clams there, boys. Yeah. Calm clams. Instead, yeah. Daryl's was putting out the feeders, but really what he's saying is like, let me get this offensive coordinator quotation marks who is a coach who i can have coach the next four games so to see if he can maximize a pocket pressure you know quarterback like kyle Allen because i want to draft another guy who's similar justin herbert um in that kind of field and give him a chance to see if he can maximize christian mccaffrey can maximize um the wide receivers that they, they can't get anything out of dj Moore and then um 
the other guy, I don't remember his name, irrelevant to me, Curtis Samuel and a few other dudes, and then Greg Olson. See if we can have him get a second chance. Maybe he just got a rough shot in San Diego with a very irritable fan base. We were talking about the same, you know, GM at that time who fired Marty Schottenheimer after a 14-2 and season. Yeah. Let's give him a chance. I think it's an audition. I think if they break even, because what was the whole thing that he was saying? Tepper, I'm not going to sell for mediocrity. Whoa, man. You tell me uh... if it's a coach who took you for 76 wins, 63 losses, one tie, three NFC South uh, titles, two coach of the years, and then a Super Bowl appearance, and they only lost to a very you know lucky paid man. And granted, I was happy the sheriff got his title at the end the second time, but that's the point. Riverboat Ron, everybody, like Washington is salivating on the prospect that you know you fired him. Jacksonville is salivating because they're going to fire. Um, Doug Marone, I'm almost certain. Mm-hmm. There's a both New York. No, he's going to get a job. He's going to get a job, obviously. Yeah, we're part of that yeah. coaching carousel. So I, I think he's saying, you know what? Because his whole thing is, I'm going to fire him to be on this belief of getting a head start coaching. Well, I think you were already searching for dudes at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You just didn't want to take into account that your GM, Marty Herney, who you call a great college scout, couldn't draft a damn wide receiver as a difference maker to save your life. In addition, Furthermore, with further ado, whatever mm-hmm. fancy you know, changing, changing that you want to go into, also putting a lot of money in dudes who can't freaking, you know, play but put big contracts in. And then, you know, we have Cam who's injured, but yet, you know, we're at least winning games with Kyle Allen. Yeah. You know, it's a miracle. I'm almost certain that, you know, this man, Riverboat Ron Rivera, could win a damn game with, uh, you know, Caleb Haney. That's yeah. a throwback. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Uh, we, we we didn't even get to that segment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, oh gosh. Yeah, you, man, that was... Oh, boy, way to go back, man. Sheesh. Uh, <laughs> it's respect. It's yeah. respect to uh, Ron Rivera. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, 153 now. Let me just get pop off some NBA stuff. And, and once again, thank you to, to Freddie for, for sharing with us his Fred rank there uh, as he's... Uh, as he's off to do and uh, he's he has the tennessee titans as a wild card team the vikings as a wild card team pittsburgh wild card he has the cowboys winning that the nfc east and and really god man dear lord uh, the eagles blew a perfect opportunity to to take advantage there yeah they 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 are they just shot themselves in the foot after that they should not have let the dolphins go in that game uh, and kudos on the Dolphins once again. I'm I'm happy for them. And look, as far as the tanking is concerned, as soon as they like the Dolphins right now are lovable losers. They are a lovable losing team. Like I I, I honestly am enjoying this team more than I had during the Ryan Tannehill era because I knew they were gonna disappoint me. Uh, in the end, in a horrifying fashion, way back when in the, in that era. But here, I knew from the get-go. So everything else is a pleasant surprise. And I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. All right? I'm, I'm doing it plenty of times with the Marlins. Dolphins are doing it right now. And, of course, he's got the Ravens at number one because they should be number one. They are the Super Bowl favorite at this point. I think Caesars changed their, their, their prediction to have them. It looks like we'll get another Baltimore San Francisco final, possibly. We don't know. Anyways, uh, NBA talk. Uh, just want to pop these off real quick. Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, player of the month, player of the week this past week, but definitely player of the month as the Bucks are are going off right now. Uh, um, when they only have one home loss, and it was to, to the Miami Heat, 
who also uh, oh, yep, and they they beat the Raptors uh, last night. They're they're currently playing against the Celtics on a back to back right now. Uh, so uh, the uh, the the Heat are, are are doing fantastic things. I was at a game uh, last week actually. Um, for for and it's a good time, a good time when the, when the team is good, that's for sure. Uh, the Heat right now are losing big time to the Celtics, but once again, second night of back to back. And for the Western Conference Player of the Week, Charles Carmelo Anthony. Ooh. Yes, Carmelo Ooh. Anthony, Player of the Week for the Western Conference, uh, as the Portland Trailblazers went three and zero. During that week, Melo averaging 22.3 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, and I didn't get his assist numbers because he probably doesn't have any. But <laughs> anyways, look, the guy's been out of basketball for what? year and a half? Season and a half. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he he's still... Too. Yeah, he's still got it. The Blazers are desperate because uh, Hassan Whiteside yeah. is not working out for them. <laughs> Chuckle, chuckle and, and to think Goran Dragic could have been the one that was dealt. Oh, thank, thank the Lord, thank mashed potatoes that he that he did not get traded to Portland because man, uh, gosh, Hassan Whiteside on this on this squad, no way. Jimmy Butler would have uh, would have uh, stuffed that Nintendo Switch down his throat. Sheesh, he's he's a Yoshi main, by the way. Ugh. <laughs> um, all right, so that's NBA talk. We'll, uh, we'll we'll move on. Charles, we've had wrestling on the screen for pretty much the entire episode, and uh, we talked a little XFL. But let's get to the to the main event. Let's head off to the cage Oof. to close out as we often do. As I always say, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your weekly Truth Likes the Cage with Charles. Disclaimer, wrestling is scripted, not fake. It is a dance. It is a ballet. It is a beautiful percussions of music and words and violence, stage violence about the needs for championships, the love of a woman, the love of a man, the thirst to prove yourself, the story of an underdog, or brand supremacy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. When we say brand supremacy, we're not even just talking about the competition that's out there, which is WWE, AEW, and New Japan, because those are my big three. We're talking about brand supremacy within the brands themselves, because a couple weeks ago, it was Survivor Series, gentlemen. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all battling each other to, uh, you know, to prove who's really the top brand in the WWE. NXT won out, of course, because why they're feuding with AEW on Wednesday nights going on right now. AEW's on TNT. WWE NXT is on USA. Watch what you want. They're both kind of good. I like NXT more. Dynamite's doing what it's can. They need to establish the mid-card. We'll talk about that a different day at a different time. Some highlights for the Survivor Series stuff. Great matches. New Day versus the Viking Raiders versus Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish limping dying try and survive put it on effort because why the night before was war games and bruz it was great because we're gonna start with war games so there was the nxt pay-per-view on saturday before we get the wwe main pay-per-view the main event war games two rings one big steel cage anything goes Ooh. guys coming time comes in the final scene francisco put it on the screen right now if you can tomaso champa adam cole 
They're about probably 25 feet up on the top of the cage. Adam Cole's around the body of Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa drops him, airy through the two tables. I was both scared and, um, you know, amazed. Probably a little aroused at the same time <laughs> because it was a great way to solidify and stamp the going feud forward because you're going to get yourself a little Adam Cole and baby and Tommaso Ciampa feud down the line for the NXT Championship. But back to Survivor Series because we're touching the points here. You know, that triple threat match was great. Roderick Strong, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, another great match. You even had titles that were on the line. Adam Cole, after basically dying the night before, went against Pete Dunne, an excellent match where Pete Dunne went for his finish to the bitter end. They got reversed into a Panama Sunrise to a last shot. I, I need new pants, man. Pepper needs a new pair of shorts. Benissimo, that was such a good match. Okay, I'm seeing it here on the screen here. Dear Lord. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that is death-defying. Oh, dear Lord. Oh my. It, it, it was something. It was something. Me, I was just dead. I was just like, I was like the Randy Marsh meme, you know, that you see in there with the ectoplasm. <laughs> I was just, I was taking care of boys. It was, it was a perfect calculation of my soul coming out of me. And then, you know, back to Survivor Series, the men's uh, Survivor Series match was good. The women's wasn't bad. There was some good little play around to Oscar Betray and Charlotte. The women, there was a weird wonky booking at the ending, but I digress. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Ray Mysterio, WWE Championship. Pretty good. Ray Sun Dominic was in there. They did a double six one nine and Brock splashes and Brock still won. But it's just great when Brock's invested. The bummer of the match. Shayna, Becky, and uh, you know, Bailey wasn't crazy about it because Shayna Baszler, good outside the ring promo and attitude. Not really my kind of favorite person. The Survivor Series. I liked it, of course, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. Fiend won, but it was the best match I think the Fiend has had instead of being projected as his super villain. In this match with Daniel Bryan, which was a basic match, he was portrayed as a horror movie villain. I think that's how you have to do it. Over on AEW, they're kind of taking their sweet time to kind of get the ball rolling here. You know, you have uh, you know Chris Jericho with a little bit of bubble. It looks like his new feud's going to be with John Moxley, formerly known as the former Dean Ambrose. And I think this might be the guy who finally takes that belt from Jericho because Jericho's been the AEW championship since he won it at, uh, I think it was Double or Nothing. Please don't yell at me, people who like AEW. I don't remember all these pay-per-views. It's too much. Over <laughs> in New Japan, they're doing the tag team tournament to crown their own contender at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, which is their former mania in January against the Gorillas of Destiny. So right now it's Evil and Sonata, but then they might do um, Davy Boy Smith's kid and uh, what's his name, Juice Robinson as contenders. I don't know. You know, right now it's kind of a quiet time for New Japan, but once they get the build going for Wrestle Kingdom, I'm a little bit attentive because that Kota Ibushi probably gonna knock off Kasuga Okada. But furthermore, gentlemen, to put off aside from you know Tommaso Ciampa basically murdering Adam Cole, we still have. The smut that I love because wrestling's also a soap opera. And Bobby Lashley, Lana, and Rusev is still going on. I think they're going to try to hold on as long as I can, guys, because guess what? TLC's in December. It's tables, ladders, and chairs, which means Ooh. it's going to be a violent match. I think we need to have Bobby Lashley and Lana basically dealing stuff with Rusev because they got it's weird. They got the soap opera. They got the restraining order on Rusev, but then he broke it. Then <laughs> Lana and Bobby got arrested. And I'm just like, this is the greatest thing ever. Me and my uh, my friend Derek, we have a new nickname for Bobby Lashley. He's Lashing Steel. For anybody else who knows that name, with the name Lexington Steel, you'll get the idea of it. But it's been a good month of wrestling. It's been a good month of everything, and I'm enjoying it, guys. And that's all I got for you today. Oh boy. All right. Wow. 
action packed. Yes, indeed. Oh, okay, guys. I think I think we can end it on this. We didn't get to our smaller segments because we were uh, very much entranced in, in, uh, in, in Andrew's recount of the uh, FIU Miami game, and uh, and of course the, the the NHL coaching scandals that are out there. But and of course Thanksgiving because we started off with Thanksgiving. But next week, I uh, hope we we can. Uh, we'll probably primarily focus on college football because. Stuff's about to go down, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then... we should have some special guests next week. Uh, okay, hopefully. Hopefully we'll, we can have some uh, other people on the panel to to discuss as uh, we'll, we'll head into the... Uh... When, is, when is the bowl determination? Uh, well, uh, final selections are Sunday, mm-hmm. so, or final rankings are Sunday usually it gets all resolved by Sunday mm-hmm. um, because uh, they need to see which teams are going to be in the big bowls mm-hmm. and then after that it's kind of just a uh, kind of like a picking match ah, who okay. can get to whom first okay all right and uh, yeah yeah it's, it's gonna be uh, a lot of uh, fun uh, when we get to that and hopefully we'll We'll have a nice uh, matchup for for the good old uh, was it Tony Tiger Bowl now, out in El Paso. Uh, it's the the Frosted Flake Sun Bowl. Oh, they, it was not the Tony the Tiger Bowl no more. 